0: everything is going to be going on here in the next week or two with ever, all the kickoff of different ministries. Uh, this is really kind of my, we, we started here last September, but things really weren't uh, fired up yet. But now this year I'm thinking, man, fasten your seatbelts, there's a lot going on, um, this week, uh, Tuesday night, uh, grief share. My wife and I will be leading that and facilitating that. And I encourage you to uh, invite someone that may have a maybe struggling with some loss, the death of a loved one, a friend. Uh, we'd love to have them. I encourage them to come. Next steps pathways going on right now. Step one. And uh, listen, if you um, if you miss step one, we designed this program so you can step in at any time with step two, three, or four, and we'll be repeating that in October and November, so I hope that you'll take advantage of that if you haven't, uh, haven't done so already. Next hour, Catholic to Catholic, Tom Gitter, um, will be teaching that. Tom uh, served as our Life Impact Pastor uh, for several years, and uh, he's taught the class a few times, and it's a great resource. Not only for you, if you're just wondering where we stand on that, Uh, But if you have friends that you might want to be able to share the gospel with, I think uh, that class is going to be really incredibly, uh, incredibly helpful. So right after this hour down the venue, uh, we'd invite you to join us. Hey, listen, um, this week, September 17th, 1787, the U.S. Constitution was uh, formed. Uh, It wasn't until... Uh, March the 4th of 1789, that it was actually effective. All the states had to ratify it, but what it did, it set up our representative form of government. And uh, maybe you'd want more information about it uh, this week on the 16th at 630 at the Oxford uh, Senior Center. uh, Center. Uh, John Todd, I don't know if you know John, uh, he goes to our campus, he and his wife are members here. Uh, He is a uh, professor emeritus at Rochester uh, University here in town, and um, he got his juris doctorate from Georgetown, Uh, just an incredible guy. He's going to be teaching the the why, how, and what of the U.S. Constitution. You don't have to be a senior to go, okay, even though it's at the senior center, center. but I think that uh, you, you might enjoy it. But you know, we have representatives, Right? Uh, Every two years, we vote uh, either a U.S. representative, a U.S. senator, a state house or senate, and we have these representatives that we look to. They represented us because of the U.S. Constitution and our state constitution. That all comes together. But we have a different representative, and that representative determines our eternity. Uh, Last week, um, Pastor Billy talked about Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11, and we're going to pick that up again with this whole series on Romans uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and uh, it's such important. The thing that we have to see is that, you know, God changes everything. When we place our faith, our trust in Him, everything changes. It's not the way it used to be. And we see that how God uh, uses his word to teach us. And this passage that we're talking about today, verses 12 through 21 of Romans 5, There's not really a command to obey, but there's this rich theology that we have to understand, we have to know, because it tells us who we are and who that representative is. And I think we have to know that our lives, our lives are ruled by the act of one man. That's really our big idea here today. Our lives are ruled by the act of one man. All people stand in relationship to one of of two men whose actions determine our eternity and the destiny of all who belong to him. So if you would look look in your Bibles at uh, Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 12, we're going to look at some contrast. Uh, that we see here in the Word, of two distinct men. So starting at verse 12, notice what it says. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who sinning, was not like the transgression of Adam, and Adam, who's a type of the one who is to come. And in Adam, you see in this passage, in Adam, death reigns. In uh, in chapter 5, verse 10, uh, in that passage, we see that we are saved by his life. We've been reconciled because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, We've been made new creatures, the old things have passed away, Second Corinthians five seventeen tells us. It says that, if therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we are a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. There is that change. And sometimes you might ask, how can just one man's actions change everything about us? And we're gonna see how that, how that works here. Paul has to start talking to us, not about about Christ, but about a different man, and that man is is Adam. Notice what he says right there. He says in verse 12, sin came into the world through one man. Now, did sin exist before that? Yeah, it did, because we know that Satan was alive and well. He was already cast out of heaven, if you will, he was fallen angel. And Jesus, in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, he's having this conversation with the Pharisees. And they're accusing him of being a devil. But Jesus responds this way. He says to them, you are of your father, the devil, and the works of the devil you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar. And all time, when his lips are moving... He's a liar. So Satan was alive and well. We had that sin there in the world, or in the spiritual realm. But here it says, sin came into the world through one man. Through one man. It was Adam. And when he sinned, that virus, if you will, wasn't just local. It spread to all of us. Each one of us is affected with that virus, that sin virus. So, in Genesis chapter 3, you may recall the story. God created the sixth day. He created man. He created Eve. And they gave him this one commandment. He said, of all of the things in this earth, you can eat anything except for one thing, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just one thing. Satan came to Eve. He tempted her. Adam is right there with her. He's passive. He's a passive male. He didn't respond. He should have said, Eve, no, we're not going here. Don't do it. But he, he accepted the fruit. He ate. And because he is the head of our race, it affected all of us. And so sin, that sin came into the world through Adam. And what's worse because of that, the result was death death. That day when Adam took of that fruit, he died spiritually. He died spiritually. And that death has passed upon all of us. Every one of us is in the same condition. Um, It was both spiritual death, but then it was also physical death. So that spiritual death separates us from the happiness in this world that we could have. The physical death eliminates the opportunity to, of salvation. We die. If we're not in Christ, that's it. There's no more opportunity. And then at the great white throne judgment, it's described as the second death um, where we suffer eternal punishment if we're not in Christ. So, death spread upon all men because all have sinned. And Paul drives home this, this, this illustrating verses, verses 13 and 14, uh, where about the law. It wasn't there at that point, uh, but yet people died all the way from Adam to Moses, uh, even though the law wasn't there. Think of it this way. <laughs> this isn't the best illustration, but I'm going to use it anyhow. Uh, right outside our doors here, Uh, the speed limit changes from uh, 50, 55 miles an hour to 35, right? Right? (laughs) So we live in the village. We're right there at First Street in St. Clair, 32 mile. And the speed limit does not change until you get to M53, and that goes to 55. So we're sitting in our living room from time to time, and all of a sudden we see these blue lights flashing on First Street, and we think, ah, they got another one. You know who you are, right? <laughs> maybe you did it. But maybe that person that got pulled over says, you know, I didn't know it was 35 miles an hour. But well, that doesn't change the consequences. They still got a ticket. And even though the law was not in place, death reigned from Adam to Moses because of that one sin, because of what Adam had done death passed upon all men, and um, he was the head of all humanity. He was the one who represents us, if you will. Paul concludes that paragraph by saying that Adam was a type of the one who comes. Adam was was stood as a representative for all of us. And um, maybe, maybe you're here and thinking, well, I don't like the idea of Uh, being represented by him. Why should I be guilty because of what this one man did? Uh, There's a term, a theological term. It's also, I think, a banking term. It's called imputed, um, imputed righteousness. But there's also that sin that was imputed to us as a result of Adam's sin. Imputed simply means this. It's setting to someone's account or reckoning something to another person. So because of Adam's sin, it was credited to all of us. We all got it. Uh, there was no way around it. We, we were credited with that. The late R.C. Sproul, he explains as well, uh, you know, as far as, boy, it's not fair that that should have happened. Let me quote, uh, let me read a quote from him. He says this, quote, If you're objecting on the grounds that the principles of representation and imputation are wrong in and of themselves, then you must realize that you have just taken away the ground basis for your salvation. It is only by representation that you are saved and only by imputation that you are redeemed. If it is right for God to save a man on the basis of another man's work, it is also right for God to punish us on the basis of another man's work. So that representation, end of the quote, we find a terrible problem. And that is that uh, we are represented by Adam. His sin is our sin. His guilt is our guilt. His death is our death. Each one of us have it. And uh, you, say, you may be an Adam this morning He's still, your respond- He's still your representative. Um, being positioned in Adam means that death reigns in your life. There's no escape from it. All humanity is represented by Adam to begin with, which means all of us need rescue. All of us need redemption, which means we need another one to be our representative Someone who represents us on our behalf instead of, instead of Adam. And that man is Jesus. So in Adam, death reigns. But we find that in Christ, grace reigns. And I'm skipping, I'm going to go a little bit ahead. I'll come back to verse 15. But let's read that last section, starting in verse 18. He says, "'Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, and where sin increased, grace abounded all the more.' So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He repeats the point in there. That one trespass led to condemnation of all men. Adam represents us all. And building upon what Paul declares here, there's another act by another man with powerful results. In Adam, again, his sin is our sin. His death is our death. His guilt is our guilt. But notice what he says, verse 18. So one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Here we have another person representing us. And that one that represents us is Jesus. He contrasts that with Adam's disobedience by his obedience. Adam had the curse of sin. Jesus' obedience led to our righteousness, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus did. It was his obedience to the will of the Father that made all the difference in the world for each one of us. Jesus came and did the perfect and pleasing will of God. And verse 20 really identifies how much greater his work how much greater his work is. The law's job was to convict us of sin, to let us know about what it was. God's grace and his work, Jesus' work on the cross and his obedience gave us the other. He gave us his righteousness. He gave us his life because of what he did. Christ, his work is greater than all of our sin. That last song that we sin, uh, last, <laughs> last song that we sang, uh, he remembers our sin no more. As far as the East is from the West, our sin has been separated from us. We are no longer under that guilt. Grace reigns through the obedience of Christ and what he did. And pointing out the point of the matter is that Jesus' act of, of righteousness is gifted to us it's again that word imputed to us imputed righteousness Uh, our sin has been taken away and christ has made us new let me illustrate that again the picture of representation Uh, we all live in different congressional districts and uh, if you vote uh, that's great but maybe maybe your vote who you voted for didn't get placed in office. So now you have a different representative. Whether it's, we're a red district or a blue district, whichever, it may not be the one that you agree with. Nevertheless, you're represented by it. Uh, whatever political party it might be. Uh, even if you didn't vote for the candidate, they are still your representative. And I guess the question is, is Adam your representative? Is he your representative? Uh, he was our, all of our representatives, even before we were born. Uh, it's a sobering fact. In Christ, you're representative righteous, even though you're a sinner. You're justified by God. And that's incredible that he does it. That's great news. Guys, we deserve death and hell. We deserve death and hell. Because of what Christ has done for us, because of his righteousness being imputed to us, we don't have to suffer that. We don't have to suffer that. Um, his act of obedience, going to the cross, dying for our sin, raising in the grave three days, rising again to justify us and make us, make us new. He did it all the work. It's not our righteousness. Isaiah 64.4 says that our righteousness before a holy God are his filthy rags. We couldn't do it ourselves. It was all through him. Jesus' perfect, sinless life and obedience is credited to us as, as if it were our own righteousness. Uh, because of his work, we are made new. This is freeing, isn't it? It's overwhelming to know of what Christ did for us. Um, I guess we have to go back and ask, "Who is who's representing us? Who's representing to you, you?" And the question I have for you here is: In you, who reigns? Who reigns? Let's look at this passage again. Um, going back to the verses five and 7, fifteen and seventeen. Uh, to see, we hear that in Adam is death, in Christ there is life. But look at these verses here. He says, But the free gift, the free gift is not like the trespasses. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. And the free gift, by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift (laughs) following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, trespass, death reigned uh, through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of the grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, that is through Christ. Now, I don't know if you heard my emphasis there. Did you? The free gift, the free gift. Paul says it. He mentions it five times just in those three verses. The free gift. That free gift is counteracts the the, the position that we are in Adam because of what Christ has done. Uh, that action, that free gift, makes the difference for us because of what he has done. That free gift abounds, I mean, it's it's limitless. I mean, how could one sin of Adam that that condemned all of us to death and all the sin that followed be counteracted by one act, the free gift of Christ on our behalf and what he did? Adam's one sin brought judgment and condemnation. And so death reigned through all the millennium. But then that one act, that free gift of what Jesus did for us made all the difference in the world. So how do we get the gift? I guess that's an important question. Look at verse 17. Those who received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life the question comes back around who's your representative what is our response maybe you remember a couple of weeks ago we had all of our kids uh, the kids in here and they had the signs you know uh you know god reigns and had like five different ones the final one is we respond how do we respond to that how do we respond to what jesus did Uh, we're dead in our trespasses and sin. Ephesians 2, 3 says that we are by nature children of wrath. Uh, We have no hope. Uh, We are aliens to to the righteousness, the gifts of God. But here he says, those who receive the abundance, the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. Guys, who represents you? Represent you this morning? Is it Adam and being under the curse of sin and death? Is your life ruled and mastered uh, by sin? Um, If Adam is your representative, then you're alienated. You're estranged from God, the Bible tells us. If Adam is your representative, then you're under God's wrath and it's right and his right condemnation and judgment. But if you're in Christ, but if you're in Christ, then you're free. You have that righteousness of life that's been imputed, that's been applied to your account. You're reconciled to God. You're saved uh, from the wrath to come. There's a change that takes place. And Jesus did that all through his perfect obedience. This is a hard question. Who's your representative? You know, it's not because of a baptism. It's not because of a confirmation. It's not because of how much I give to the church. It's not because I went on a short-term mission trip. Any of those things, it is not that. It is placing our faith and our trust in Christ and him alone. The Bible says that we need to repent of our sin and by faith, and by faith alone through God's grace alone are we made new, where we are changed, where we are redeemed and made righteous because of what Christ has done. You know, we don't do this very often, but I feel like it's important that I do it today. Um... Would you do this? Maybe you want to know Christ. Maybe you haven't taken that step and placed your faith and your trust wholly in Him and Him alone. I want to give you that that opportunity this morning to do that. So, would you pray with me right now? And if you haven't trusted Christ, let's let's bow our heads and say, and I want to give you that opportunity to do that today. So, If you haven't done that and you want to trust Christ today, just repeat after me in your heart this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that if I were to die today, I would spend eternity separated from you and suffer punishment. Today I repent of my sin and I trust Christ and him alone for my salvation. Father, I want to receive that gift today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to invite you at the end of the service, there's going to be people up here, some of our 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 elders, deacons, deaconesses to 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 pray with you. We'd love to know about the decision that you've made today. And maybe you still have questions. They're here to answer those questions for you. And I hope that you'll come and just let us know about that decision that you've trusted Christ. Let me close in prayer as the worship team comes. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you that... We don't have to be under the curse of death. We don't have to bear guilt alone. Father, we can have life through Christ Jesus and the change that He will accomplish in our hearts and lives by renewing us, by regenerating us, by making us your child. So, God, we pray that uh, as we go here this morning, that our hearts would. Just be touched for those around us who don't know Christ yet as Savior. Help us to be bold in our witness. Help us to speak about that life that they can have through Jesus Christ and Him alone. Thank you, Father, for your great love for us. Lord, accept our worship, Lord, today. It may be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name.